Philippians chapter 2, we're going to run and go. Probably have to finish this message tonight, uh, be my guess. But we're going to do the best we can. Got a lot of things going on. I, uh, I flew to Russia one time. Dean, Danny and I were all flew to Russia. I sat by a guy that was uh, going to Russia there on the airplane. Big old, one of them big old, what do you call them, 747s. And uh, he asked me what we were doing. I had a chance to talk to him, give him a track and so forth about the Lord. We're going on a mission trip. And he's on a business trip. And I started asking questions about Russia because I could tell real quick he was pretty familiar with them. This is when Russia came open. And uh, he said, Reg, he said, um, uh, he, said they're a mil he said, they're a military power, but they're an e economic rot. And he said, the reason is because if you live in Russia today, and, and he said, now it's starting to change. This was back in the 90s. When some of you, he said, the reason is in Russia, you're not supposed to make a profit. Now, some of you have swallowed the line of nonsense, the socialist line of nonsense, that profit is a dirty word. Let me just tell you right now, profit is one of the best words you've ever seen. The Bible says, what should it profit a man? Profit's in the Bible. Profit is doing better. In, it could be doing better spiritually. You get saved, you could be doing a lot better. You're going to be profiting spiritually. And, uh, but there's a lot of ways to profit. But he said this, if you're a truck driver out on a, going after a lot of the big communal farms and your truck breaks down, he said, it's not going to help you to call anybody or get out. And he said, they will sit there until somebody sees them and makes them do it. Because they took the initiative and the motivation for doing anything out of it. This is human nature. And God knows it. Your forefathers, Jamestown started, and they had a socialistic program. Yep. Everybody was going to shared work and shared thing, shared uh, garden. In other words, we're going to have a shared crop deal and everybody's going to share in it. Sounds real good. There's even some scripture in the book of Acts about this, but it mentions it, and then you never hear it talked about again in the book of Acts from the in the Bible. And in fact, you hear the opposite of what they were doing. And he said this, if you lose, if you have no motivation to fix something, to design something, to do a better job, because it's not going to, they're not going to pay you anymore for thinking. They're not going to pay any for fixing that flat tire. He said it destroys all sin. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Our, by our faith, Christianity, yes, it's about Christ. The gospel is Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried and rose again the third day and paid our sin debt. And if you believe on him and trust him as your savior and turn to God and receive Christ as your savior, God will save you. But you're still here in this world. And God knows that. You've got to go to work Monday morning. Yeah. Christianity is the most practical thing you've ever saw in your life. Yeah. It gives you not only how to prepare for eternity, but how to live now. Amen. And one of the things that's killing America is we're, we're slowly transferring from capitalism and the free enterprise system to a socialistic system. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's trying to figure out how they can milk the government, how they can figure out how they can get where they're milking. Abraham Lincoln called it this way. He says, too many pigs and not enough tits. On the old south. That's what America's turned into. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get a hold of a tit and, 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 but don't want to do anything. That's unbiblical, and I'm going to preach on this one. The biblical, the blessing and beauty of a biblical work ethic. And the things, the clothes you wear, the cars you drive, the things that you enjoy in America is not because we're some special people, but America was founded upon a special book Amen. that has a special way to live, and it's not the way the world says to do it. In Jamestown, when they tried that socialistic system of plant, all, all, everybody's going to plant and everybody's going to reap, they starved to death. Why? I'm sick today. I don't feel like going out and, and hoeing the potatoes. Oh, I've got to go see Aunt Susie over here. And it wouldn't plow, but then come time when they want to have it handing out the food, everybody lined up. Yep. This is where America's going to. Yep. And as Christian people, not only in our personal lives, but in our national life, we need to get back to a biblical base of Christian, uh, Christian uh, work ethic. Now, get my, get my uh, deal right here. Lord, help us to preach today. I can't preach without you. God, we need help. We thank you for these good testimonies and the good work, Lord, that's going on in our midst. The blessings of God upon this place. God, I want to praise you and thank you for it today. Now, Lord, we're preaching some practical stuff today about our daily lives. I pray you fill me with the Holy Ghost of God. Speak through me. Lord, I pray to the point of where people realize it's God's word, not Reg Kelly. 
Help me, Lord, just to be a good mailman, a messenger, an ambassador today. And I pray, Lord, to help our families to be strengthened and strong, and especially in the day that we live with all the lying ideas and philosophies that are being taught our kids in these hell holes called schools. Lord, I pray these politicians, Lord, that are secret communist and secret socialist, and they hate God and hate the Bible, and they're trying to make this a secular nation. I pray, God in heaven, that you'd give us wisdom today, open our eyes and help us to see it when it's around us, help us to recognize it and not to fall in to this unbiblical socialistic mud hole. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now, the Bible, uh, and when you're talking about statism there, uh, you're talking about they don't have any profit, there's no motive, there's no, you don't own anything, you don't own a house, so you're just working for the state. So the idea, what does it do? It stifles and kills creativity, it kills a work ethic, and it kills a lot of things that can be a blessing to people's lives. In 2 Thessalonians chapter two, let's begin reading verse number one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from, all, from evil. Let's stand together, get a little stretch code. We're going to head down the home stage. Pray to stand together with, if you don't care, kind of stretch yourself out. And uh, we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which command you. Now the first D was delivered up in chapter, verse number two. The second D is verse number five. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. He didn't say direct your heart into the denomination. He didn't say direct it into religion. When God saves you, he'll direct your heart into the love of God. And and into patient waiting for Christ. Now we commend you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. Well, what in the world is a brother that walketh disorderly? I'm glad you asked, because the Bible's going to tell you. Here it is. And not after the tradition which you received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves, here's that word again, disorderly among you. Well, we got, he delivered us, and now he's directed us, and then he says, whatever you do, don't walk disorderly. Well, I might think about somebody jumping up and, and hollering and hooping and disturbing the service. Or doing, I, that's kind of what comes to my mind. That ain't what God's talk, uh, talking about, the disorderliness he's talking about here. Need, watch verse 7, for yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Context is everything in the scripture. Look at verse 6, 7, 8. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. He comes right out of this thing and, and describes disorderliness as this. Things, there's, God is a God of order. Yeah. All right? And he's put order in the home, put order in our own life, put order in the church, put order in the nation. And there's an order about work. And there's an order about earnings. And there's an order about eating bread and whose bread you're eating. All right? Now watch what he says, verse 9. Not because we have no power but to make ourselves an example and do the fault. You know what Paul said? I could have eaten your bread, but I wouldn't. Why? I want to be an example to you. Amen. Did you know one of the reasons I didn't want to preach at the age of 28? I didn't want to preach because I had a bad attitude. Preachers, a bunch of cowards, a bunch of leeches, walk up to a business and buy something and say, I want 10% off, I'm a preacher. That makes me sick. Because just because you're a preacher don't mean you deserve a 10% discount from anybody. Amen. In fact, what that does is it brings reproach on Jesus Christ because they think you're better than anybody else. And then it feeds into the devil's lie that preachers are a bunch of lazy hound dogs who just said, oh, I'm going to preach this. So I don't have to work. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, if you really preach and you really minister and you really serve God, you'll never have anything in your life that will drain you out, body, soul, and spirit, as much as that will. I'd, I'd have it anyway. Now, he continues there. He said, I could have to eat your, your bread, but I want to be an example. Look at verse number 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded. Everybody paying attention to the Bible, God's holy word. If any would not work, tell me what God says. Yes. Not eating is a real fixed remedy for being lazy. And we are created, I'm going to tell you something, doesn't it make you sick to go to Walmart and, and people walking around in their pajamas? Yeah. Yeah. Walking around in their stupid pajamas, yeah. standing at the candy rack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or then they go over and, ah, anyway, I won't be mean, all right? Can you believe somebody's dying at 10 o'clock in the morning going to Walmart in their pajamas? We got a generation of young men sitting around the house or living in the basement of mom and daddy, 25, 30 years old, ain't done a day's work in their life, looking at their phone, their face is square, they look at their phone so much. 
and don't know what a day's work is, amen. Yes. I'm going to tell you something right now. I got more respect for a lost man that works than for a saved man that's lazy. Amen. God said, you mark it down your day book. I don't care what the United States government says. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Right. Starvation is a good way of fixing that stuff. All right, now look what he said. For we hear that there are some which walk among you, what? Disorderly. Disorderly. What? Look at the next phrase. Working not at all, but are busy bodies. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. God says this disorderliness he's talking about in this context here is that you are not walking in the order of God that a man ought to work and provide for his own and provide for his family and be able to support the weak and be able to give to the cause of Christ and the ministry of the word of God. You're sitting around your backside. You won't work. You're looking for a way out of everything and you're checking down at the social service offices. See if there's a government program that you ain't heard about yet that you can suck the lifeblood out of those people that are working. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. God said in verse number 12, I keep, all right, now let's just keep smiling. Make me think you like this message, all right? <laughs> verse number 12, now them that are such, we command you and exhort you by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. That's a good statement. Ain't nobody works near as hard as I do. You, said, you know what makes me sick worse than somebody that won't work? is somebody who works, but he thinks he's the only guy working. <laughs> he thinks everybody else, your job's no good. I had a guy walk up, I sold, I sold auctions 47 years. And I had a guy walk up to me one day and said, if all I had to do is run my mouth a little bit and make $5,000, I'd do that. He said, you don't work. He said, you just come in the sale, do a little bit of running your mouth. And you, I'll tell you what, I said, I'll tell you what you do. I just turned to him, I said, I'll tell you what you do. You run with me the next 10 days. See if you think this ain't working or not. You'll be leaving and going to the house. By the way, if you've never sold eight hours as fast as you can go and as fast as they can put cattle in front of it, you don't know what your stomach diaphragm and heart to do. You get to the point where you don't know if you can take another breath or not. I'm talking about after eight hours, all right? <laughs> then he said this, but if any man obey not our word by the epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Verse 15, get, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. God says he's a lazy, no worthless hound dog, just blood sucking out everybody else, a parasite on society, and he won't work. He said, just don't hang around him. Amen. Because you'll have to learn his sorrow low down ways. Somebody said, I'm well, anyway, here we go. Because of scripture, I want you to look at the balance. So watch this. Does anybody know what first and second Thessalonians talk about? Surely, I hope you do. Main, the main subject of first and second Thessalonians is what? The coming of Christ. Now watch the wisdom of God. All through here, in both those books, he's constantly telling you, warning you and, and preparing you, but be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Then all of a sudden he starts talking about working Monday. What's going on? Can I tell you something? You don't live in the sweet by and by. You're living in the nasty now and now. If God saved you and just took you straight home, this wouldn't apply to you. But you left you here, got to go to work Monday morning, right? Now here's what God wants us to do as Christian people. He said this, I want you to keep an eye on eternity. Don't get your eyes just on work and making money and making a living and doing, living life here. Keep an eye on the coming of Jesus Christ. He could come at any time. Live in that light. But at the same time, keep the other eye on the fact that you're here in this temporal world. You've got to pay your bills, feed your family, feed your family. You've got to provide a house and provide clothing and take care of your family. Yeah. Don't get so holy, holy, holy that you say, well, I'm holy, holy. I just spend my time fasting and praying. And excusing yourself because you don't work. Now, pretty soon, how many has got the point of the message? Go to work. Now, what God's is saying here, all right, you, the church at Thessalonica, keep one eye on the coming of the Lord, on eternity. Keep the other eye on the fact that you live in a world right now. Did you know how to destroy your Christian testimony where you work? You just let the other guy grab the shovel first. You just hang back and let him grab the shovel because you know he will. You just step back and let the other guy do the work that you saw ought to be done. But you're a lazy hound dog, so you're going to, you figured out that if you'll stand back long enough or act like you're busy, they'll go do the hard work. How many's ever been around somebody like that? Yeah. Don't you just love them? Don't you just appreciate them? If you want to kill your testimony and someday say, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Where you go to church at Liberty Faith Church? Would you tell your preacher you're lazy? I'm going to tell your preacher you're lazy. I'm going to tell you something right now. We got truck driving this church. Truck driving is tough. You say, all they got to do is sit there on the air conditioner. No, no. I want to tell you something. Don't make fun of another person's work. By the way, you might work by brain or you might work by back. 
Both of them ought to be worked. Don't just be a, all you're all a robot. Use your head, amen. And the beauty of the free enterprise system of the capitalistic system is that God said every man set underneath his own vine. You know what that means? You need to own property. I didn't say he had to, but what happens is if you have your own property, God says his own vine and his own fig tree. Now listen to me. He knows that if you have that, you try to take care of that. I've I, I got so many verses and I got myself in a big rush. Genesis 2.15 says this. When God created this world of men, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to sit and watch TV and eat potato chips. What did he do? To dress and keep it. He put him to work. First thing God did with the man. I want to tell you something right now. Developing a good worth ethic is one of the best things your family ever do. How you say, well, Reggie, we, we just got a little yard out here. Hey, plow that sucker up and put potatoes in it and plant, amen. And then take your kids somewhere and do some work, amen. And take them places where people are working and learn to work. Teach your kids to work. Take that stupid phone away from them for about a week and a half and say we're going on a phone fast and we're going to go to work, amen. And by the way, you know what I used to do with them in this church? I'd send them to Don's Inn. I'll tell you what the best way to fix it. There's a guy up in Cleveland, Indiana. He's a preacher now, but when he was about a 16-year-old, he had his stringy hair. You know, he's just buzzed out dope all the time. He just, this is his own words. He said, I had stringy hair down to my waist. He said, my eye sockets were pulled back, eyes back massage. He said, I was doping night and day. And he said, I got in trouble so much that I went before the judge and he said, you've been up here over and over again and nothing we've done, sending you to jail, doing this, doing that, has ever done anything. He said, I'm sending you to the state pen for life. And his daddy said, judge, would you let me make a phone call before you sentence him? <coughs> He said, yeah. He said, I want to help the boy. I'm not trying to hurt him. But that's all he's ever going to do. And that guy got on and called his uncle down in Mississippi, who was a logger. He said, my boy's up here getting ready to go to the state pen for life. He'd been before the judge 15, 20 times, and they're sick of him. He said, is there any way if I could talk to the judge in it, you'd take him? He said, well, he said, he better be ready. But he said, yeah, I'll take him. He come back and told the judge, said, my uncle said that if you send him down there, he'll take him and he'll be out of here. He said, all right. Said, here's the deal. You stay out of Indiana, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I'm sorry, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And don't you ever come back. And if you ever cross the state line, I'll have you arrested and put in the penitentiary. You stay in Mississippi and you leave this part of the country. Well, they bust him down to Mississippi. He comes into his old uncle Logger's house the first night. And he's sitting there thinking, you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. That's all he's been ever used to doing. And said that next morning, about five, about four or five o'clock, he said, uncle, come in and shook me up and said, get out of bed. We're going to work. He said, I kind of turned over. He said, I said, get out of bed. We're going to work. And he said he'd come in there to the breakfast table and said he had biscuits and gravy and ham and bacon and all kinds of stuff laying over here. And he said that little boy, like 16-year-old punk, looked at him and said, I don't like any of that. He said, well, I tell you what we got. We got some snowflakes over here, Cheerios, pumpkin doodles and all that junky junk cereal. He said, that's what I want. He poured him a bowl of that, took that down, and said, come on, we're going to work. Took him out there in the log woods, put him behind a team of mules, dragging logs all day long, and turned it. I'm going to tell you something. By the season, he come in, he said, about by 930, those Cheerios were gone. He said, they wasn't doing nothing for me. He said, he said, I got home that night. He said, I didn't care what this was doing. I flopped in bed, and in three seconds, I was out like a light. He said, the next morning, 430, up, let's go to Logwood. He said, I walked in and said, hand me some of that ham. Hand me, give me a couple of them biscuits. Amen. And you know what God did with that boy? Because he worked him, he changed his whole attitude toward life and God eventually saved him and he's been one of the most powerful preachers in America in the last 40 years. All because somebody gave him a biblical work ethic. I am telling you right now, I'm saying that as today, there ought to be a change in your house. There ought to be a change in your home. You're letting that boy of yours sit there, twiddle his thumbs on that phone all day like that. His arms look like little pencils. Say amen right there. Most girls could whip you. 
Hey, some of them in here can do it too, amen. <laughs> if that don't work, they'll knife you. <laughs> but when Genesis chapter three comes, you know what God said? By the sweat of your brow. You're going to go out there and that ground is now cursed, but you're going to work and by the sweat of your brow, you're going to make your living. I put up Ephesians 4, guys, and let's roll and go here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 9 says, Six days shalt thou sit around the house and lay back in thine recliner chair. No, it says work, labor, and then the Sabbath was for rest. Can I give you something real fast? Sabbath is for rest not in the Bible, not worship. Rest. Sunday's for worship. Our old timers, that's where you got your weekend here in America. Our old Bible believing, Bible reading, Bible practicing forefathers, they understood that rest was needed on Saturday. And they said the resurrection happened on Sunday. And they said we want to end our week resting in the Lord and start our week giving it to God the first day of the week. And that's how your weekend came into being. Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole do what? Steal, Steal no more. But rather let him do what? Labor, working with his what? His hands, the thing which is good that he made. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. There are people that you can be a blessing to, you can minister to if you work with your hands. You say, I don't know how to do nothing. I tell you what, I'm seven years old and in some ways I wish I could be 15 again and go out and learn how to wire a house. Go out and know how to, this week we want to cut a, a rafter for a cabin I'm building and I got a hold of Brother Ben over here and he figured it out for me. I don't know how to cut a stinking rafter. I went through all my grade school, high school, all my, the only thing I knew to do and I got was haul hay, fix fins, and milk cows, amen. You need to learn how to do stuff with your hands. I'm telling you right now, it just burns me up and I believe it displeases Almighty God. Got a generation of kids growing up don't know how to do nothing but looking for a free ride about everything. You think the world owes you a living? This world does not owe you a living. It does not owe you a living. God wants you to work with your own hands. And by the way, that stealing comes from, I want to ask you something. When you got on that program and the government writes you that check, I want to ask you, where'd that money come from? Hello? Anybody home? When you take that check, where did that money come from? One or two places. Either out of the check and the work and the profit of a man who was working or they printed it. And when they printed it, it made everybody's money worth less. God's ways are right. I'm telling you this much. If you're not careful, you become a thief robbing other men's labors. Now you listen to me. I'm all for taking care of people. I think veterans, they'll be taken care of. I'm telling you right now, I mean, they'll be, I'm not a veteran, but I believe they'll be taken care of. Amen. Period, bar none, period. I'll tell you what, I think they'll be taken care of. I think, I think but the Bible talks about widows, that the, their own sons and their own daughters ought to take care of them. And if they won't, then the church steps in, right? I'll tell you a sickening thing we've got to go around this country as you go, you go off and make your fortune and your poor mama sitting there barely able to buy groceries. Isn't that sick? I hope some of you's listening. You're sorry, low down thing. Your mama don't hardly have a car to drive. Can't afford the gas in it. You're sitting over there somewhere driving a Rolls Royce or a 50, 60, $70,000 pickup truck and you're going to the lake and doing all this stuff and your mama, a widow, is not being taken care of. You're shame on you. Amen. I had a backache and I don't know where it went to, but it went somewhere. Amen. I'm telling you right now, Exodus 23 and verse 12 and 34 and verse 21 tells us that Saturday's for rest. I'll put, put up Acts chapter 20, boys, if you would. I want you to look at the Apostle Paul, what he said here in Acts chapter 20. Man, it's hot in here, ain't it? Anybody else hot besides me? I'm about to burn up, hey, amen. I sure don't want to die and go to hell, hey, amen. Woo! If you're getting hot and want to move, let's walk over, take a walk or do something. Open the doors, open them wide, hey, amen. Let, let that air come inside. Acts chapter 20. And verse number uh, 33, oh, Paul, he's fixed to leave him out here. He said, I have coveted no man's silver. Well, tell some of these clowns on TV that that tells you to send in $60 and it'll turn into 6,000. All they do is covet your money, figuring out how to get you. I have coveted no man's silver. He didn't get, now I want to back up and say something real quick. You, you know what the other flip side of some of this is? That if you worked hard, did the best you could, whether it be by brain or by back, I want to tell you something. Don't think other people's not working just because they're not doing what you're doing. 
But if you're, can I tell you a little something from personal experience? If you do halfway decent, get ready for people to hate your guts. You know why? Because they're jealous. And they're envious. And the Bible says envy is a rottenness of the bones. Jealousy is cruel. And you could have made your money honestly and fairly and you worked hard and God blessed. And then people turn around and accuse you. Well, he's a crook. No, the problem is you're, you're jealous of him. That's what your problem is. Somebody does a little better than you do and you don't like them. Come on. Bunch of envious girls. You drive up here and somebody got a new ticket, pickup truck. Hey, man, you always recognize mine. They look like you got 500,000 miles on them. Amen. But I don't tell you, somebody drives a, got a, a, a new pickup truck and you drive up here and go, I don't know, they just think there's something. Why are you jealous of another man's payments? Why? <laughs> He's probably making payments. Amen. I'm telling you something right now. We need, you, you, you get this. You see, because on one hand, we tell people, hey, work hard, save, be wise in your spending. Hey, you know what? Yesterday, I did something I never did. Yesterday, I was coming back for a play. I think it was yesterday. Karen, you had to help me. I was coming back. I was coming down through Seymour. Went, I know it was. I went to see, uh, I went soul with these guys. Come back through Seymour. That's getting crazy. <laughs> Come back through Seymour. Stop at, at McDonald's. And I'm not knocking McDonald's. But one meal cost me $13 or something. Oh, wow. Not like Karen's not here. I ain't buying for nobody else. My meal cost thirteen dollars. Then, well, I got to feel sorry for her because she works all day. And I said, "Hey, I tell you, we had to go over and go to the farm pick up a truck." I said, I "Tell you what, keep you from having to fix supper. You've been working all day. Well, I'll swing by Taco Bell and we'll get some Taco Bell and go on over the farm. I'd shell out twenty bucks. How do you afford? I don't know how y'all living, but how do you buying every meal you eating? I don't know how you doing it." Hey, grow you a fat hog, amen. Get you a calf and raise some rabbits or do something. My goodness, how, how are you making a living these days? The groceries is high, amen. You need to learn how, we ain't preaching on this, but you need to learn how to manage your money. You need to understand that some things you don't really need, they ain't going to help you. How many knows what it takes for a woman to buy it? Come on. It's on sale. Right? It's on sale. Doesn't matter they jacked the price up to $50 when it was $25 before, but it's on sale at $50. How many knows what it takes for a man to buy it? Tax write-off. I got this figured out, amen. I know how to talk to Karen when I want to buy something, amen. I'm just saying to you, learn how to manage your money. The Bible's got a lot about it now. Let's go to Acts chapter 20. Paul said, I showed you, verse 35, all things, how that so laboring, we ought to support the weak. God does not want you laboring and making money just so you can stuff it away. The old timers used to say, uh, put it in the can, sit on the can, and can't all get in all that can. But anyway, you need, God wants you to be a blessing to other people. He said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with him. Now, Paul was a worker and he worked with his own hands. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and I'll show you not only in 2 Thessalonians, but at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 11 there, I believe it is, boys, verse Number 11 is what he said, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we command, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, you may have lack of nothing. My grandpa, my grandpa Rhodes, they had 15 kids. It's a depression. My mama was born in 1924, is raising all them kids through the depression, lived down here south of town. And my mama said my, they had a garden. I'll tell you, I don't know how big, but I've seen the past garden bigger than this church house, bigger than this church house. And she said, Reggie, all through the Depression, there never was a time when the neighbors came by that my daddy couldn't go down there to the cellar or go. He used to have a bank in there where he put his taters at. He'd dig a hole in the bank and put straw down and layer them taters. And he said, he'd go out there and say, hold on, go get me a sack. And he said, all through the Depression, we was able to give our neighbors apples and, and, and potatoes and different things. Why? To have to give to him that hath need. She said, there's a family moved in here down around Dimlo. Had five or six kids. She said, Ray, I ain't never seen anybody so poor in my life. She said, I mean, they moved in here, broke, depression time, no money whatsoever. And he said, dad fixed up a bunch of groceries, took down 10 people. I am telling you something, that's a blessing, amen. But you're not going to get it sitting on your hands looking at your phone. You have to ply your garden up, amen, or get to work or do something, amen, to help your things out. Now, I want to say this to you. Never boast about how hard a worker you are. That makes everybody sick. Amen. I don't care how talented or skilled you are, God gave that to you. 
You think that somebody else's labor is not as hard as yours, you're crazy. Labor can be by back or by brain, usually both. The idea that no one works hard to you is silliness. Now you need to be aware of this, of a wicked mindset. Well, I'm smarter. I made this money. I'm smarter than anybody else. This goes back to Terry's Bible class there, comparing yourselves. The Bible talks about not eating another man's bread to eat our own bread. I'm going to give you this. Most kids, all our kids are growing up now in America, right out here in the country too, by the way. I'm going to be a drug dealer. All I'm going to do is buy drugs, resell them. All I'll do is drive around my $90,000 pickup truck and I'll sell drugs to everybody. You're lazy. I'm going to tell you, sorry, low down. You need to repent and be saved. You're worthless. You're taking people to hell. And the hottest part of hell is waiting on you. Amen. Up in the cities, you know what it is? Mobster protection. You know what the mobs has done forever in America? You pay for protection. And the only one, you know who you're paying to protect you? The one you're paying. From them destroying you. They'll have your business torn up if you don't give them 10%. That's extortion. That's wickedness. All the time. A lot of bills passed in our Congress. How does it get passed? You say, how, why in the world they vote for that? Somebody's patting their back pocket underneath the table. Proverbs 10, 4 says, the hand of the diligent maketh rich. You guys can run ahead with me there. Proverbs 12, 11 says, he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Now go up to Proverbs 12, 14, and we'll take off from here. A man shall be satisfied by the good of the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of man's hand shall be rendered unto him. Go to verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under, uh, under tribute. Verse 27. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in honey, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. My grandma Kelly, I'm honest with you, this is not an exaggeration. She never threw a birthday card away. She never threw anything away. She had about everything she had from the time she was little. Every shoe, every, every dress, every, everything. Honey, am I telling the truth or not? I mean, she had, Danny, is that not right? She kept everything. She raised in the depression. You don't throw nothing away. You know what? Can I, you may say, well, that's bad. You know what she'd do? She reused Christmas cards, birthday cards. she just mark out the names and reuse them. I mean, you know what? I don't fault her for that. She lived in a time when a dime was hard to come by. Right. Amen. Let's go, up, where are we at? 14, let's go to, let's go to 14, number 23, Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor, there's profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penny. Boy, I'm going to talk, talk, talk. Uh-huh. It won't work. 16, 23. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth. Ungodly man diggeth up evil, lifts with a burning fire. Go to verse, chapter 28, verse number 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that falleth at the vain person shall have poverty up. I'm going to ask an honest question here. Don't get mad at me. You don't have to participate. All right. If you planted a garden in here, how many of you know when you should plant potatoes? Raise your hand. All right. Now, everybody put your hands down. I want to know how many kids, uh, say, uh, say under 30, how, how many people under 30 know how to plant potatoes? Raise your hand. All right. Just a few. All right. All right. Now, let's go on and, uh, down here. If you're going to plant a garden, how many knows how to can beans? All right, everybody, everybody over 30, stay out of this. How <laughs> I many under 30 know how to can beans? There's several there. All right, good. I'm going to tell you something right now. Everybody's on, you know, whoo, power grid's going to go out. I mean, we're going to have bad time here. We're going to have to live out here. Well, how are you going to make it? How many here know how to milk a cow? How many know how to pull a calf? Ah. Yes, sir. I want to tell you something. There's some things you need to know how to do. Amen. Or you're not going to make it. I'll tell you, remember the first time we ever had hogs, Karen and I? First million dollars I ever made is raising hogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying, ain't a bill. I still, I'm still trying to pay the feed bill off. Amen. But I had no sow, and I didn't raise pigs. And she's having pigs. I went to her, she kept little pigs. And they got this gook all over and stuff. And I'm telling you, you know what? I lost it. I didn't know what to do. And the mom sadly says, we know. <laughs> I called my uncle. He come down there and he knew just how to take care of the little pigs, get them started and everything. But I didn't know a thing about it. I want to ask you, if you had to, what do you know how to do today? What do you do with your hands? What do you do with your mind? Are you working today? Do you understand the process, the deal of work? Laboring is working without, work, laboring without God is will turn into vanity. I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 5. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 5. 
Let's get this one here. Servants, be obedient to them to your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto God. Now you can take that today and the application could be employer, employee, okay? You're working for a guy, a guy's got you employed. Here's what he says. He says, trembling and singleness of heart as unto the Lord. Not with eye service. Hey, everybody with me? He says, when you're working for a man, you don't work with eye service. You don't watch for the boss to come around and go, oh, get real busy here. He's boss just came in. Boys, let's get to work here. Before he got there, you're sitting there like this. Christians ought not do that. You ought to be the same man if he's there or he ain't there. By the way, young people, you ought to be the same man whether mom and dad's home or gone. Adults, we ought to be the same people whether the kids are there or not. Now, let's go on down. Not with eye service as men pleasers. You know what's wrong with this country? Men pleasers. He said, doing good will, but as service to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not a man. Do you know what to fix all your labor problems? If you're working for somebody, you just work as unto the Lord. Why he say, yeah, and your life's miserable because you're focused on that boss or you're focused on the other employee. God says, you forget about him. You work as unto me and you do it as if you were doing it for me because ultimately you are. And you, that'll fix all that internal strife and you can go to, you can go to work tomorrow whistling. I'm going to work for God today. And you know what? Do right. Work for the Lord. Okay, let's go to, uh, then we're going to bypass it, but I'm going to give you this. In Luke 19, you can put it up if you want to, chapter, verse number 12. Jesus gives a parable there about some men who labored, who gave it, he entrusted them with some money. And it talks about the one guy took it and he 10 times. That guy took it five times. And that guy said, oh, said, I went and took mine and hit it in the, hit it in the ground. And he accused God of being hard and rough and everything. But here's the thing that God says in there, gained by, watch this, gained by trading. Now get this, every aspect of your life is the trading. Learn to be a wise trader. God gave you 24 hours today. How are you going to trade with it? You trade your time for money. Life is constantly a trade. Everything that you're doing is you're learning how to trade. And if you don't learn how to trade wisely, your life will go downhill bad. Learn how to trade right. This is what God's teaching there. You know what I did on January 24th, 1982? I traded off my sinful world, my sinful life for the eternal life Jesus Christ gave me. I traded. Switched out. Would y'all just forgive me for, I don't know, it's so late. Tell you where we're going to go. We're going to go to uh, the subject of slothfulness. I'm going to finish this right here. And then tonight, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about being lazy. Okay? If you can't be here, I'd encourage you to listen online. I've just got so much stuff. That's, that's always my problem. There's some blessings to labor. There is satisfaction of God of seeing the fruit of your labor. It's a blessing. I'm so blessed I'm able to work at home. We're working out there and I watch the geese fly by. Occasionally there'll be a deer step out of the woods. Sometimes I just look up at the sky and wonder at the God I serve. So grateful to have strength and energy to work. Just, just to work. I hope today you'll learn there's a blessing in labor. There's a beauty in labor. And it may not be the kind that some people think they like, but if it's labor of the Lord, if it's God's labor for you, it's important, it's a blessing, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see things come out of your labor. You know what, my wife, I, I, she don't like me to talk about it from pulpit, but she loves to be outside. And I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna be careful when I say, how I say this, about anything she wanted, that way I'd do for her if I could at all. She loves, and boy, you know what? She'll be after digging that deal, and she'll be on her hands and knees, and she's out there, and she's a digging here, and boy, I tell you, she's got dirt here, and she's got a, you know, I mean, she's a moving dirt, and, and you know what? That's the happiest that girl. It, and it, it ain't when Reggie's around her; it's when her and God in the garden, and she's happy. It's a blessing, and it's you know what happens? Here comes them tulips, and here comes them flowers, and here comes that shrub all blooming out. You know, I remember back when they dug the holes for the cedar trees in our house. 
uh, the pine trees up through there and dug holes, a lot of labor and stuff, hot, hard digging around. But now you walk out, boy, you don't see the trees up there. It's beautiful and it's a blessing to labor. God wants you, you know what? I'm honest with you. <clears throat> Motion is lotion. Am I telling them right or not? The biggest problem I see going on with American people right now, a lot of our health problems, we're not moving. We're not moving. We're setting and we're sedative and we're just eating and setting and eating and setting and eating and setting. And the blood is not, the life of the flesh is in your blood. Leviticus 17. And when you start moving, this is honest truth. I, my back hurts morning, bad. My back ain't hurting right now. I don't know. I guess I'm moving too much. I don't know. Probably, probably a pain pill took you record. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, I was hurting over that seat. I'm saying move, get out, do something. Work, work in life. I want to give you this here now. Be careful. I'll give you two or three things about work. A lot of people are going over here and buying lotto tickets. Don't do that. That's wrong. You say, why is it wrong? He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. Don't do that. Did you know that lotto plays on the poor more than anybody else? You're buying lottery tickets. The poorest people that really can't afford them are the ones trying to buy them. And they know this. And they're doing that. I'm going to tell you, stay away from the lotto machines. Lotto tickets. Don't come. You say, well, Reggie, if I win, I'm going to do something for the church. Well, we're not taking it. I would not, I would not accept, I don't care if you made $5 million on a lotto machine and you said, Reggie, we want to give $2 million to the church. I'm just, you take that somewhere else. We ain't taking it. I, I'm really serious about that. God gives us all we need, provides every need we have and more. I don't need to do something stupid. Let me tell you another thing watch out for is pyramid schemes. Because pyramid schemes play on the laziness of people. Now, the, the definition of pyramid scheme can be, uh, it's, it's pretty dicey. And the government looks at this here, the legal system on that. If you're producing honestly goods and services, okay, if it's honest goods and services, it's not a pyramid scheme. But if it's just selling sales, sales deals, that's a pyramid scheme. Trying to get money off other people going out, and it's not because of the goods that they make. This is serious business now, because you get built that way. But the worst part about it is, if your motivations are wrong and you're doing this to get other people suckered in, that's wrong. That's wrong. Let me tell you the biggest pyramid scheme in the world. Religion. Did you ever think about denominational things going on? If you're a denomination, you've got a thousand churches scattered around the world, around the country, and they're all sending you 10% every Sunday. Do you ever think of the mammoth amount of money that's being funneled in? Yep. Yeah. I personally have seen written down stuff that the high, high ups were telling the local pastors. Your attendance needs to go up. Your offerings need to improve. You need to, we're going to send you a series of messages on, on giving. You need to have a special giving, blah, 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 blah. Straight up the pyramid. And they wonder why things are corrupt in America. Amen. Yeah. As I said, expect... Envy and jealousy. In World War II, 1945, we had conquered Germany and American troops were occupying most of the west part of the German nation. There was an American soldier, he was a lieutenant, and in his boredom, he wandered out in the woods one day and he found a cave. And you can, you can look this story up if you want to. In that cave, he found some of the most valuable art that's ever been found. And what it was, was the artwork out of a church in that town close by. And it was paintings. It was unbelievable stuff. Crazy. I'll just go ahead and tell you. The value of it, when this deal got settled here about 20 years ago, was $350 million that soldier stole out of that cave. He had an attitude, well, I've been fighting over here, and it's here for the taking. He would box it up, but he knew better. And the reason we know he knew better, he's from Texas down here, a little, little bitty old town about the size of Mansfield Mountain Grove in Texas. 
he would box it up in real tight boxes, wooden boxes, and send it to his mother back in the States and tell her in the letter, Mama, take very good care of this. It's very valuable. I don't know how valuable, but take real good care of it. Well, she started putting away. He stole everything out of there and he would just gradually send it. As weeks went by, he would keep sending it. In the 1980s, that town and that church in that town went on an investigative deal to try to find out where that art went to because it's the most expensive artwork in, in Europe. And they had a man started researching and he went through all the archives up here in Washington, D.C. on soldiers and units and who was posted where and who was posted where. And believe it or not, in the microfilm, he found a, a notation where a lieutenant said that he had been in a cave just outside the town. So he started looking up where this lieutenant was. It took him a while to find him. And when he found him, he was deceased down here in Texas. So he went down there, walked cold turkey into that town and asked people about war heroes and men who served in World War II. And he found three different men that had served and he started deducing it down. And finally, he, and, uh, he, he through, his, through his research there, he walked into the bank and he told the teller, he said, do you have in the vaults of this bank thus, thus, and thus? And she turned white. She said, hold on just a minute. Went to the bank president. He comes out and says, you need to come back to my office. This family had had this bank to hold these treasures in their vaults all these years. And at different times would sell pieces of art if they decided they want to do something. I want you to listen to this. They were selling $350 million worth of, they were only about 11 pieces. $350 million worth and the most they ever got out of anything was a million three. They were selling it for parts of pennies on the dollar. They said, Richard, what are you getting to about that? Listen to me. Unjust gain that you did not work for will come back to bite you someday. They eventually brought them into to federal court, the, whole, the, the family, because they had possession of stolen goods that their grandpa had stolen. And they made an agreement, and it all went back to the church back in Germany eventually. Well, IRS and everybody else got in on it. And what kept them from going to federal pen was that the judge there in that town, who was the district judge, when they all came into court, and these people were getting ready to go to the descendants now, because they had been part of the scheme ever since their dad died. They knew all about it. They knew what he had already left it. And uh, they, the judge, when they all got up here together, he says, statute of limitations is out. Courts dismissed, case is over. And they didn't have to go to prison because of statute of limitations. But here's what I want to tell you something. Hang on your hat. This man was a sodomite by his own admission and by his own records. You listen to me. Anybody that's an open sin and stuff like that, and puts on the front like, you know, you always watch that stuff. I'm not saying every sodomite's a thief, but let me tell you something right now. This guy had a mindset that if I can take it and it belongs to me, I'm going to take it. It was unjust gain. Can I tell you something? It didn't make his descendants anything by the time it's all over with. And your unjust gain is not going to make you a dime when it's all over with. God will come around the backside and you'll see, all of a sudden you'll see him standing in the road in front of you and that unjust gain that you got will be lost plus interest. What I want to encourage this family day tonight, we're going to talk about slothfulness. We're going to look at a lot of verses about slothfulness. And what I want to say to you is this. Work. Brain. Back. Whatever it is. Whatever God's called you to do, work. Don't think you're any better than anybody else. If God blesses you, don't think you're smarter than anybody else. Amen. Too much is given. Watch this. Much is required. But here's what I'm going to say to you. And I know I've, I've, I've flunked this thing out. It didn't turn out like I wanted. Probably should have done some more thinking about it. But it's really bothered me. You know, I'm your pastor. I care about your family. I care about your future. You make your kids work. You make your kids work. You don't let them sit around the house and do nothing all their life. They may not turn out any good, but at least they're going to know that they worked. Amen? 
Let's don't be lazy. Let's don't be parasites. Let's be Christian people. Let's work with our own hands. Love you. This serious business. Let me tell you what, what the worth ethic is really connected to. When the work ethic goes down in a nation and there's more leisure time, immorality rate goes way up. Shoot straight up because you've got too much time on your hands. That's how people get into immorality and homes tear up and so forth because they didn't have good work ethic. I want to say something before we close to the parents of this church that are here. By and large, I have watched and I want to say thank you to the daddies and the mamas who are raising your children to work. A lot of these boys know so much more than I know at your age than I knew. And I'm glad you do. And, it, and, and I just want to say thank you so much. There, there's a lot of young men in this church who wouldn't bother me a second to hire them because I know they're going to work. I'll just, I'll just say this, and Keegan, you just keep your, where you at, Keegan? You pug your ears up, okay? I got guys that works for me, that are, and that boy come out to the work, and he don't just waller up to the mill. He runs, trots, moves. People have confidence in that. Yeah. Uh, the reason I didn't want him here, because I don't want him by hiring him away from me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying to this, if we're going to be Christian people, now, I can preach on the second coming of Christ, and he's coming. But we need to be a people with good biblical work ethic. And here's what happens. When you we have a biblical work ethic, you might be able to buy a piece of land someday. Mm-hmm. And, if you got, and if you take care of it, keep the fences up on it, keep the weeds down, mm-hmm. take care of things. You know what, kids? How, how I, know, I really know your character. If I walk in your room, and it looks like a tornado came through, I know you're heading for trouble. Because you're going to go out in a job and you're going to pick up a $500 piece of equipment, ain't they, Kenny? And they don't care how they took care of it. It didn't cost them nothing. So they leave it out there let, or let somebody steal it to get back to run over. You know what? He just soon you move on. We're talking about biblical work ethic that will increase. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm just saying there's a biblical principle that if you work, learn how to manage your money, God's not against you doing better. Okay? I'm wallering now. Let's stand and do something different.